Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Humanity First. And this week, we have a somewhat new employee to BAMSI, Sarah Gannett, who is our new VP of Development. Sarah, welcome. Hi, Peter. Thank you very much. So let's see. You've been with the agency about three or four weeks now? Yep, just going on a month um, here at BMZ, and um, it's been a great experience so far. Everyone's been so welcoming, so I'm happy to be on board. And I'm uh, assuming that you're fully oriented to everything in the organization after a month. Not really. I'm only kidding. <laughs> you know, I, as I think about this, you know, we're, uh, we're an agency with around about 2,000 people uh, who are sort of all pulling in the right in the same direction relative to making sure that as a as an organization we have the privilege of serving people uh, vulnerable populations uh, people in need and um, when I think about where people fit in the organization after years of working in this field, um, philanthropy is just such an important part of what we do. Um, some old sage once said to me. You know, you can complain all you like about state funding, but nobody's going to bring you a big pot of gold and say, here's some money, spend it the way you want to. And so the idea really is to create um, wealth within the organization, if you like, that allows us to do things that perhaps other people who don't have a philanthropic sort of um, uh, arm, if you like, uh, are not able to do with state funding. You, um, we should probably talk a little bit about the journey, about your journey, and how you came to us here at Bamsey, and um, and what are some of the things that you bring with your experience over the over the past few years. Okay, well, that was a, a great introduction, um, Peter. So I, I was in. Um, healthcare philanthropy, I'm sorry, for about a um, little over a decade. For the past 11 years, I worked at a community-based health system, South Coast Health, down in southeastern Massachusetts, um, a three-hospital system that, um, much like Bamsey's footprint, um, serves um, vulnerable populations very, very much so, particularly in the emergency room setting and some of our community health settings. And um, I've just always been drawn to healthcare and um um, evening the playing field or leveling the playing field, if you will, for vulnerable populations. I think we have some of the best health care, some of the best resources, if not the best in the entire world. And the fact that there are such disparities and there are folks in so much need and so many underserved individuals um, in the community surrounding us is um, is terrible. It's a tragedy. And I don't think that um, enough people know about that. And I think being in the position of working in philanthropy, you're able to bring those stories to, to folks who are able to make a difference. So it's an exciting job. I'm glad you mentioned that because I've never uh, – I've worked with a lot of people in philanthropy over my career, but I've never worked in philanthropy. <clears throat> and I suppose the cheeky way of looking at uh, philanthropy as a job is why doesn't everybody work for universities um, and museums? Because they seem to be, you know, as I drive past the uh, the Museum of Fine Art, you know, you see that there's a, a new wing on there which is sort of has somebody's name on it. Um, and that seems to be uh, an easy thing to, to raise money for because of lots of different reasons. Um, I've always felt that there's a pecking order within human services as well. Um, you know, when I used to work for an organization in Roxbury, we used to be able to raise a lot of money for kids because you put a 
picture of a kid up there and people are automatically sort of drawn to a sense of protection and and and, and wanting to sort of be involved in that <clears throat> i also worked in a um what they used to call a detox or an acute treatment uh, center, which nobody was interested in uh, giving money to principally because there are still, uh, and that was a long time ago, but there are still some deeply held beliefs in our society and conventional wisdom that um, addiction is a choice and, that, and, and not a disease. And we spend a lot of time talking about, um, about addressing um, stigma through education and it's interesting, isn't it? Because all of these things match up, don't they? You you come here because you have, I think, a calling that is different from going to work in a um, a university or, or or a museum. And it's and it's relative to you. You mentioned inequity, and inequities in this country in the world are very broad. And part of what we're doing is trying to bring to that bring that to the the four and i think that what we do is has to be seen through um the eye of social justice so just talk a little bit about that how do those things match up in terms of uh, a, a philanthropic policy that we're developing here for bmz well i think a, i'd say much if not all of the work that bmz does out in the community is to address the inequalities and to to really get to the the root of social justice, right? I think, um, you know, some some folks could argue that, and I, I agree that education is um, is a right, and um, just as much as healthcare, just as much as freedom, all of those different components play into one another. I think some um, come to the forefront, right? Um, children, you know, people, youth related charities are always at the forefront for many folks. Animal related charities, right? There's a there's something that calls to folks when um, they know that they can make a difference in, in in the lives of defenseless children, defenseless animals. There's a reason that people people give to organizations. Um, I think when you look at BMZ and the fact the broad the broad array of programs, right from infancy, you know, down to very young with early intervention, all the way through programs for seniors, um, BMZ ticks all of those boxes, and I think takes a holistic approach that. Um, you know, every every life is, is worth living and worth living the best it possibly can be, whether it's a young child, someone who has experienced um, a traumatic brain injury, someone who is living with a disability, someone who's battling substance abuse, um, a senior on, you know, a very limited income. All of those folks are facing different in different inequalities, different obstacles, different inequities, but um, there are ways to... to to surpass those obstacles and to have everyone live the best life that they possibly can. And I think that's what drew me to Bamsey, that that the programs, you know, look at folks who, you know, they face challenges, but they don't see those challenges as a stopping point, that there is so much more to, to life that um, – that can be gained by access to these programs and services, but it's a continual battle, right? These programs and services are here, um, and they're they're here to help folks. But it's getting to those folks who are needed, and I think that's um, who need those services. And I think that's where philanthropy can be very helpful, not just in in bringing in donations to support the programs, but also in getting the message out. Because the more people who understand the impact of the work that's being conducted. Um, on a daily basis, kind of behind the scenes that people don't know about, the more the more impact it can have. 
Yeah, you know, as you were talking, it just reminded me of, um, and I'll go back to that detox story again, because it made a huge impression on me. I um, We were approached by the Boston Red Sox in 2002 um, because the Red Sox wanted to uh, address some of the issues around uh, equality within their own organization and how people of color viewed coming to play for the Red Sox. There were some famous people who just wouldn't come, like I think of Kirby Puckett, for instance, and, and Barry Bonds. That might be a, another story. Um, but they approached uh, uh, Dimmock, which was uh, an organization um, of color, and said, we need to build a relationship with you. And all of the leadership, including John Henry, including Tom Werner, um, and others came down to tour the detox. And it was so interesting because they were terrified. You could see that these were people who had never met people who were struggling with a disease like this. I'm sure they had met them, but they hadn't met them in treatment. Um, and the, you could tell that that exposure, that moment of learning for those human beings would stay with them for a long time. And I think one of the... Um, adages of, uh, of philanthropy is that if you expose people to the experience, if you draw them in, if they volunteer, they're much more likely to connect. And therefore, eventually, they're much more likely to be a lifelong giver to an organization that they see that value in. Is that, is that, is that true? I think so. And I think, you know, for better or worse, the way media is today, um, you know, you can make a case for social media or the immediacy of of the news, right? It's not um, – when I think – when I started in philanthropy, it was probably going on 25 years ago now. You know, it was very much a newspaper-based system where you read articles. Now – and I completely agree. When I first started um, fundraising, I worked in a United Way system for a number of years, and we supported a lot of organizations that, that helped individuals um, access treatment – for substance abuse, and the um, the feeling was, well, that's not me. That won't happen to me. You know that that has you know that's not my family. That's not my circle. So I think that society as a whole has become you know more embracing of philanthropy, of being having a broader feeling of supporting organizations, and I think a lot of that is exposure. Right? It's easy to pretend something's not happening if you don't see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but your example of someone seeing it firsthand, there's nothing, nothing more impactful than that. But I think the one, you know, one of the, the, the positives of social media and, and just media in general being so in our face is that people see, you know, what is happening out there a lot. more. It's, it's much harder to ignore a problem now. And I think people have come to realize, you know, that whatever issue, if it might not be your personal issue, you may not be struggling in this way. Um, you may not be a senior who needs access to services. You may not be um, someone struggling with substance abuse, but it affects all of us in society in general. So I think, yeah, the exposure firsthand, of course, is the best, but I also think people are paying attention more in general just because the information is there. An interesting concept because, yeah, people might be paying more attention, but what are they doing about it? What What are they do? Are people giving in higher numbers because of this penetration of information that is out there in the Twitter sphere or whatever it might be. Um, And how is that actionable for an organization like ours? You know, as we talk about the future here, we talk about connectivity to our community. We talk about becoming a um, more... uh, more visible in our community Mm -hmm. and our branding really uh, exercises has looked at that Um, we talk about 
focusing on people coming in to do the work and people knowing who we are so that they so that they're more likely to give you know where what what's happening with this increased visibility and mm-hmm. how do we connect with those people who now are more aware than perhaps they were before I mean, that's a good question when you look at (laughs) – very good question, right? (laughs) Um, When you look at philanthropy nationally, right, giving giving is up, right? Some charities did take a dip um, during during COVID, but overall, um, you know, during the height of COVID, there were, you know, particularly um, in-person charities and organizations really, really took a hit. But you'll see that giving overall is up. The gifts aren't necessarily – Larger, there's you're engaging um, a younger population, which is good, and I think engaging a younger population in philanthropy is key because they tend, you know, not generalizing, but um, the generations that are, are coming through and will be your future large philanthropists in another 10, 20, 30 years have a better understanding, I think, of social inequality, social justice than um, my generation, generations before me, and, and even right around, um, you know. It's a very different world that, that we're approaching. I don't think – I think the, the philanthropy that we're doing now, folks are a lot more savvy. They're not just going to give to an organization because that's where everyone gave. You might see that a little bit in the university setting, but people want to see impact. Mm-hmm. They want to see the organization and the community doing something. They're not just going to necessarily give because their parents gave there or their, you know, their coworkers give them <clears throat> like it was 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. So I think it's our job um, – to be able to get those donations, it, you have to work harder. You have to show that you're making a difference. So wait, because you said something really interesting. It it isn't just the story anymore, right? And but but the story mm-hmm. is so hugely important. I mean, I was watching a show one day, and uh, and this is smalty, but they were saying telling a story about a children's agency, and it was about a bunch of kids that were on the on the beach, mm-hmm. and one of the kids held up a stone that was the shape of a heart and said something like. This heart is what is representative of my of, of what I've learned here, or something. It was small, but this. But actually, if you think about it, that story is really good, isn't it? Because you know, it it sort of is a direct connection to if I give, then that's the kind of quality. But it's more than that, isn't it? It's about telling the story through numbers. So. You know, you, if you're an organization who is, uh, who is a group home, for instance, that has adolescence, is it, best to, is it better to tell us, well, what's the best? To have a story of one of those kids that went to Harvard or 50 of those kids who went to community college. And that's a philanthropy conundrum, right? Well, I think you could argue the point that both, right? I think one would – appeal to one donor and one might appeal to another donor just as a human being, right? Someone might see the the broad impact. Someone might see having what might be considered to them more of a significant impact on one person. I think I think you you can have both and I think you have to be able to tell the story both at, you know, the very specific level of that one person, but overall, you know, what you are doing in general to to impact um, the community. I think Numbers served is huge, right? Every every nonprofit, every it's like customers served, right? When you think, you know, going back to like the McDonald's adage, right? It's the numbers, billions served, right? Every <laughs> that um, makes me laugh. That. Right? I don't know if that's good or bad. That could that could be playing into some other issues our yeah. uh, society has, but I think impact is about numbers, right? And you want to serve as many people 
as you can, but you want want to serve them well, right? Um, so it's it's a balance. It's it's you know you can't necessarily send every child to Harvard, but can you get them on a trajectory where they can achieve and that they have the ability to do more? Absolutely, you can do that. And um, whether that be community college, trade school, a four-year college, or Harvard, right? There's a different match for everyone. And I think as an organization, and that's just one example, similar to, you know, a job training program or everyone's, I think it's helping every person, every individual reach the goals and, and get to where where they want to be and show them that, you know, they, they can do more. Do you think, because um, I'm interested in that example because it's impact through um, a remarkable story of achievement. Mm-hmm. And, and, and as human beings, you know, like it or not in this, <clears throat> in this country, if you go to Harvard or Yale, you're seen as incredibly successful and uh, against the odds, all of the stories. But to me, it's a much more impactful story to say, look, you know, we actually affected the lives of X number of people and they're now have a trade, they all of that stuff. But both stories are important, right? And and I think that's the piece for me about how do you tell that story. But how do you also educate the, the person who's giving to I mean that's a, stay with that example. How how do you educate that person that actually the impact that we're looking for is broader here? And, and telling the story in a way that people understand that impact is greater than that one shooting star. Um, do you see philanthropy as having an educational component for a giver, a donor? Absolutely. I think that um, education is really the foundation of philanthropy, right? People, if, you're, if you educate folks properly or, or give them, provide them with the information on what your organization is doing, it's up to them whether they want to give to support, whether it's monetarily or they want to go out and be an ambassador for your organization. But I think education, no matter what the – you know, I think the best possible feeling is when you take someone who doesn't want to donate to your organization or has a negative feeling about your organization and you can sit down and talk to them and they walk away maybe not giving the biggest gift but saying, hey, they understand more. And those are the folks that will go out and be your ambassadors. And, you know, their words, I mean, as cheesy or corny as it sounds, their words are as, as valuable, if not more so, than dollars from a donor who just believed in your mission, you know, from the get-go. I think if you have to work for it and you can convince someone and you can show them, then that's um, – that's that's probably the most um, impactful thing you can do in philanthropy. Um, and it might not be, again, comparing to sales, it may not be the biggest donor, um, but I think it's the, probably the biggest impact if you can if you can turn turn someone around and have them and really um, really see what you're doing for what it is. Yeah, and how many people are they going to tell that story to, which is the really important piece. Yes. So. Um, we're just about out of time here, Sarah, but, you know, the, you've had a month to have a look at the mm-hmm. scope uh, of what's going on here. What's, what's in your near-term plans? What, what's next for uh, development here at BAMSI? Well, I think getting out and visiting as many of the programs, I realized BAMSI was a large organization when I joined. Um, just how large and how broad the programs are um, is incredible to me, so getting out there and and connecting with as many of our um, direct care staff as possible and, you know, being able to, to tell those stories um, to folks in the community and to really just share um, share the great work that the organization is doing. Yeah, getting a good grounding for the people who do the 
the incredibly important work within our organization. That's a, that's a good start. Sarah, thank you so much for coming in. It's been a pleasure. Hopefully we can do this again in a couple of months and see how you're doing. Excellent. Thank you, Peter. I appreciate it. Thank you.